into men, from men into gladiators, and from gladiators into Swansons. Behold, the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include teamwork, very important, equally important, selfishness, take what's yours, America, the only country that matters. If you want to experience other cultures, use an atlas or a ham radio. Cursing, there's only one bad word, taxes. Haircuts, there are three acceptable haircuts, high and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? Animal proteins, four to eight servings daily. Cow, pig, chicken, deer. Fish, for sport only. Fish meat is practically a vegetable. Friends, one to three is sufficient. Capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. Skim milk. Avoid it, sir. Physical fitness, honor, facial hair, living in the woods, rage, poise, property right, crying, B.O. Cabin, skim milk. That's right, it's on here twice. Avoid it. Masonry, stillness, torso, intensity, old wooden sailing ships. They're beautiful. So you all can head home now because Ron Swanson's pyramid of success is way better than the Daniel plan. So, but we'll try and do the best we can with what we got. 2018, and we're starting a new series called the Daniel plan. And in a couple weeks, we'll unpack why it's called the Daniel plan. But I just uh, thought today, as we get started and kind of get introduced to this whole series, Today we're going to focus just on physical health and God's prescription for physical health. And this is something, in churches generally speaking, we have tended to ignore or kind of avoid. Now I grew up in the South, and, and something that was just laid into me at a very young age, I, I grew up in the tobacco capital of the world, but one thing that was laid into, laid into me at a very young age was on Sunday, you always wear your Sunday best. Laid into me. You, you can do anything else, but don't you dare show up on Sunday morning without, well, in my case, I'm a sinner today because I only have a two-piece suit on, but you needed a three-piece suit and women dresses. You had to. Anything deviation, they'd kick you out, at least in the context it was in. But what was fascinating was I grew up in the tobacco capital of the world, and this would be the time in the service where it would be time for intermission. And all these people in their regal clothing would get up, pastoral staff included, and we would head outside. And the pastors would sit on a ledge, and they'd pull out their drag, and they'd begin smoking, and the congregation would smoke. And for the next 15 minutes or so, some of you are like, that sounds like a great idea. We, we would proceed to smoke. Not myself, I was only five, six, seven at the time. I did it later when no one was watching. And then we head back into, for the rest of the service, the preaching service. And even as a kid, that caught me. Why are we so concerned with external, and however you feel about cigarettes, I, I've heard studies that it's not so good for your lungs. 
and, and fill ourselves with such, such a thing. And then the thing that really threw me was in these churches that focus so much on the external was then the most dangerous place to be alive after a church service was the buffet at the local buffet res- restaurant. And when I came to Canada, we didn't have so many of the buffets, but we had this thing called Swiss Chalet. And they were dangerous places to be because Christians all dressed up in their garb would just come into these places and stuff their mouths to the tilt with all sorts of stuff with no concern for what they were putting in their mouths, what they were putting into their bodies. And I was left as a young person growing up thinking, Man, oh man, the church has a lot of growing up to do. And the church has a lot of talking and thinking to talk about because all they seem to be concerned about is one hour of a day and not the other 167 hours. And they only seem to be concerned with the external external and not the internal. So what I'd like to do today is just talk about physical health, and if you're concerned, (laughs) you should be, (laughs) but, (laughs) and I'm sorry for those of you who think I turned a new leaf in 2018. (laughs) Yes. This morning, we're gonna, this is going to be such a practical series, but this morning I want to talk about motivation, especially when it comes to physical health. Why is it, it's 2018, some of you have made New Year's resolutions, I'm going to get in better health, I'm going to eat better, you've been through this diet thing, you've been through this physical fitness thing a million times, and what happens? It doesn't stick, does it? Why doesn't it stick? And what I'd like to just take a couple minutes today and do is talk about motivation. Why is it like three weeks from now, that whole plan is out the window? And I'm going to suggest to you, it's because you had the wrong motivation. And when you figure out the why in your life, God will show you the how. There's this really, really fascinating guy we read about in the newer part of the Bible. His name's Paul. And Paul writes this letter to this church in Corinth. And he writes this. It's quite, quite a famous verse, but he writes this. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for food. But God will destroy both. And so what I'd like to do just in these next few minutes is I want to talk to you about six countercultural things. Things that our culture, media, all the things that you see would, wouldn't ever address, ever, ever talk about. And this stuff, for some of you, it may just shake up your whole world because you've never heard this before. But I want to share with you six countercultural things. The first one's this. Here's the first countercultural thing. God expects me to manage my body. God expects me to manage my body. And this is, this is countercultural for a lot of us because we think that this body is ours. 
And God comes along and Paul's writing this letter here and says, no, 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 no. It's not your body, but it's your job to manage it. It's just a loner, but it's your job to manage it. In the old English, we use the word, instead of manage, we use the word steward. So you've been loaned this body, whether it's for 70, 80 years, 120 years, and it's your job to steward it. So none of you can go around and say, you know what, someone has, I'm, someone else is, is responsible for my body, someone else is responsible for abusing my body. No, you're in charge of stewarding it. And one day you're gonna stand before God and Paul gets at this, and, he, and you're going to have to give an account for how you steward the loner, how you do it, how'd you manage it. And we talk about this often here, but this life we're all living now in version 1.0 body, it's a test. It's a test, it's a journey, it's preparations for eternity, and God is, is seeing, can I trust you with this thing? Because I want to trust you with so much more. Can I trust you with this loner? I've given to you. I want to trust you with your mind that I've given you. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with the opportunities I've given to you? The abilities, the freedoms. How are you doing with everything I've loaned you? And, he, and he's testing us. Now the second countercultural thing, and it sounds a lot like the first one, but the second countercultural thing that Paul talks about here is he says this in verse 13, second half of verse 13, Paul writes in this letter, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, you and I were brought up and we were taught our bodies are our own. No one else is responsible for our body. We're responsible for our own body. But then this text tells us it's not your body. Whose body is it? It's, it's God's body. He just loaned it to us and it's his because he created it. In other words, and this is, this is tough, especially because this is so countercultural. It's not your body to share with anybody. And our world would say very different, wouldn't it? But it's not your body just to share with anybody. It's not yours. And that's such a radical concept. One thing that's really hard is you and I fight this idea that's been around for a couple thousand years. The, the ancient Greeks talked about it, and it's called something called dualism. And it's this idea that your spirit, your mind, is more important than your body. And dualism says there's a separation. Your spirit, your mind, that's what's important. But this body, it's evil. It's rotten, it's no good. Guess how dualists feel about Mother Earth as well? They think, ah, it's broken and it's evil anyhow. They don't think too much of an environmentalist because it's all about your spirit and your mind. So they created their, this dichotomy, but Paul's getting at here, no, 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 no. It's not just about your spirit mind. Your body is important too. Your body's not evil. And why is it not evil? Because God made it. And everything God makes, he makes for a purpose. And so he's giving you this body and he doesn't make anything without a purpose. So for us to compartmentalize and say, no, 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 it's all about my mind and my spirit. I can't wait to get rid of this thing. God's like, no, they both matter. So no, no matter what culture is telling you, it's a myth. The two are connected. Third one here, totally countercultural. This passage that we're reading today, it teaches that my body will be resurrected after I die. 
Now, for some of you, that just sounds a little bit crazy, but 95% of our world believes that there is an afterlife. But a lot of people believe in the afterlife don't believe that our bodies will be there. We think we're going to go up and we're going to be these spirits, we're going to be Casper the ghost. But when we read these passages, this version you're living in, this is version 1.0, but the Bible insinuates, the Bible points that one day that God's going to take your body and turn it into version 2.0 for eternity. He's gonna, it's going to go there, up there. Some people believe we're going to be angels when we're in heaven. Do you know who's going to be angels in heaven? Angels. <laughs> people are, are going to be people in heaven. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth, by, and this is a brilliant verse that we tend to just gloss over because it's powerful. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. See how important your body is? Did God not raise Jesus from the dead? Yes, three of you, yes. He did. And he's going to do the same with your bodies. He's going to take your bodies, he's going to resurrect it, he's going to put it together in version 2.0, and he can do that. If he can create the universe, he can give you the very breath in your lungs, he can do that. And and if we unpack this verse, this verse has serious implications for every one of us. And if you really, really get this verse, it can actually help you keep your New Year's resolutions. It can help you keep your diets. It can help you keep your fitness regimes because there's mistakes that this verse points out to us when it comes to those things. One of those mistakes is when it comes to this is when it comes to, say, diet regimes, fitness regimes, all these things, is we rely on our willpower and not on God's power. See, willpower for us, and a lot of us, we, we get this, it's like what sugar is to nutrition. It's like, it's like you make the decision, I'm going to keep this diet plan, and you're boosted. You're good to go for three weeks, but then when the fourth week hits, it's like your love handles are bigger than they were at the very beginning. And it's like this whole sugar rush, and it just doesn't last. And I think most of us realize we need more than our willpower, don't we? We need something else to come in, and we need to plug into God's power. And that's the first reason why we don't stick with it. We rely on ourselves. Another reason it doesn't, a mistake we make is we got the wrong motivation. So when I was a high schooler in my college years, I see a guy like Dwayne Johnson, and that would motivate me. Got to go lift the weights. Got to get in shape. I got to go pump up, and I'm motivated to look better, to feel better, to get more energy, to be stronger. And are those good things? Yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. They're, they're, They're really legitimate good goals, but what we're talking about today is so much deeper than that. We're talking about more than just feeling good and looking good. And appearance is not a big enough reason. Because for any of you who have ever gotten in good shape or achieved your goals, what tends to happen? You start relaxing, don't you? And all of a sudden you start kind of like yo-yoing back and forth between that weight that you were hoping to keep or that fitness thing. And, and you fall back into old habits. So this kind of motivation, it's not enough. It's usually not enough. Is anyone identifying with this? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Three of us, once again, thank you. 
You know what I'm talking about? Another mistake we make, and you guys probably get tired of me saying this one, but you can't change on your own. You can't change on your own. You were made for community. You were designed for community. If you don't have a coach or a partner or a group around you to support you, that's why we even insist here that you need to be in a community group. I would encourage you that this Daniel plan, you will miss out if you're not in a community group. And after the service, Jonathan's got books. Pastor Jonathan will be out in the lobby. You can grab one of the Daniel plan books. He'll get you into a group or we can form a group around you. This is such a holistic series, practical series to go through and you're gonna want to do it with others because you're not gonna make it on your own, I guarantee it. You're not going to make it on your own. Because if you're saying, you know what, I, I need to do that, but if you could, you would. But you won't, so you can't. God created your body, expects you to manage your body, and, and he's going to resurrect it one day into version 2.0. And 2.0's got all the bells and whistles, by the way. I can't wait. A couple more here, just countercultural things. The Bible, this, one, this one's heavy. The Bible teaches my body is connected to the body of Christ. Let me repeat that one because it's kind of heavy. The Bible teaches my body is connected to the body of Christ. So you may not have heard that before, but let me unpack a little bit more what Paul writes in this letter. He says this, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So we're giving this, this one almost seems like it's, what's going on here? This is like really, really heavy, and why are we talking about sexual stuff here? But Paul's referring to things like, sure, sex outside of marriage. I, I would suggest and argue, also he's talking about things like masturbation and pornography and being very careful, but I mean, fantasy novels, things that cause lust to just consume you. And, and he puts this in this special class because he's saying, when you do this, when you abuse your body this way, you're not only sinning against God, that's what makes this one its own special class, you're also sinning against yourself. So this one's really heavy, hard to wrap your head around. Let me tell you, church, because I know this is stuff that we don't like to talk about in public, and, and it just drags you down. It's such a bondage. And most of us, it's just, it's, it's just shame. Can I encourage you today? You can get freedom from this bond if, if it's got its fangs on you and, if it's, and it's hanging you and pulling you down. And I'd love to pray with you. Elders would love to pray with you. We like, there is freedom from this horrible cyclic habit if it's got its fangs on you and God wants you to experience freedom today not shame not to be put down he wants you to experience joy but it's this whole idea and this is heavy your body is connected to the body of Christ heavy 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 fifth one here the fifth reason not that this gets any lighter but this is very very cool at the same time the fifth reason is the Holy Spirit lives in your body. So Paul keeps talking here. And I'll unpack this for you because it gets a little bit heavy. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So, so th this one sounds kind of crazy, but here's a picture of what some people believe the, the Old Testament temple, the, the New Testament temple looked like in Israel. But 
but let's just imagine, and Paul's using, like he's saying, your body is a temple, but let's just imagine today, you're walking down the street in this nice frigid air, and you pass a synagogue, you pass a church, and you see someone out there with a spray paint can, and they're putting graffiti all over the wall of that church, that synagogue, that temple. Then they start smashing windows, pulling shingles off, doing all sorts of just defacing of this property. Anybody here got a problem with that? So most of us, there'd be a little bit, they they shouldn't be defiling that temple, should they? That church, that building, and, and some of us would rock us to the core. So how would we respond? We may, you know, I've been following the Daniel plan, and then you go beat the person up, right? Yeah. Uh, you may pick up the phone, call the police. You may call the A-team, the Avengers, whatever. You're going to want to act because that is wrong. Destroying that temple is wrong. And here's where Paul just drives the dagger into us. He says, hey, 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 church, you vandalize the temple all day long by what you eat, by how you treat it, your body, your sleep schedule, by not taking care of it. You're vandalizing the temple that God has given when you don't take care of it. And Paul's point is this. When you say yes to Jesus, when Jesus becomes your life leader, God's temple, God's sanctuary, it literally, it changes addresses and it comes and it takes up residence here. That's why I don't like calling this room the sanctuary. It's just an auditorium. Because followers of Jesus know when you say yes to Jesus, where's the sanctuary now? It's not a place. It's in your heart. And it goes with you everywhere. So what you eat, because remember the Spirit's connected to the body. What you eat, how you treat it, your sleep schedule, all those things. What you do with that is and Paul's giving this metaphor, is how you treat the temple God's given you. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Man, I don't know if I like his writings anymore. Last one here, last countercultural thing. This one's great. I love this one because it's very redemptive. Jesus bought my body on the cross. Jesus bought my body on the cross. And he finishes this letter with this, this, this little section with this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Thankfully, and because we've all failed on the whole temple messed up thing, but thankfully, Jesus bought our bodies. Jesus bought our real estate. Now, that might even sound kind of heavy, but, but let me explain it to you this way. This past week, I was eating some Rice Krispies. Gluten-free, of course, because, I mean, it's Daniel plan. You got to, you know. But, and I noticed the prize was at the bottom of the box that I could possibly win is I could win a free racing horse. Guess what, church? I won a free racing horse. Woo! And, and so I'm like, what am I going to do with a racing horse? Now, I grew up on a farm. I know a little bit about horses and taking care of them, but not a million-dollar racing horse. So I hopped in my car. I went up to Woodbine Racetrack. 
I started talking to the horse trainers there, got some ideas. They're like, man, you got to do, make, let them only eat this kind of food and this kind of food. Here's how you exercise them. Here's how you treat them. Here's the kind of room they need. And they just gave me this laundry list of things to keep this million dollar prized animal in shape. And I'm just like, whoa. And I come home and the kids and I proceed to feed the horse Twizzlers and potato chips and Diet Coke. Okay, so I made that story up, but. (laughs) Wouldn't it be crazy if you had a racing horse and you treated it like that? Like who in their right mind would take a, a expensive, almost priceless horse and devalue it by treating it in such a common way like that. And Paul's point's this. When you put junk into your bodies, when you don't take care of your bodies, when you don't treat your bodies like the temple it is, he goes, and his point is this, you're far more priceless than any horse. You're far more valuable in God's eyes than any horse, than any million-dollar racehorse. You are the temple of God. And Paul writes this other letter. He writes to this church in Rome, and he says this. I, it's such a comforting verse. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And this verse doesn't say, offer your minds offer your souls it says offer your offer your bodies you can't serve god except with your body anyone ever use the phrase with you when they can't come to say a party you're throwing i can't physically be there but i'll be there in spirit do you know what that means nothing (laughs) it means nothing You can't be there in spirit. You can only be there physically, in your body. Do you know what Sunday morning services traditionally are called? They're called worship services. Do you know that taking care of your physical health is an act of worship? The taking care of your body is an act of worship. Let me summarize this really, really quickly. But I want to get into better health. As your pastor, who I, and I love you, I want you to get into better health. I want your, you to get your bodies into better health. Not just so you can look good. Not just so you can live longer. Not, you know, I'm all for all those. Those are all legitimate reasons. But because of those six things I talked about, because God wants us to manage our bodies God created our bodies. One day God's going to resurrect our bodies in version 2.0 because my body is connected to the body of Christ. Because God's spirit lives in my body. And because Jesus died for my body. Those six reasons are the spiritual reasons. Let me say them again. God created your body. God God wants you to, to manage your body. 
One day he's going to resurrect your body in version 2.0. Your body is connected to the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in your body. And Jesus died for your body. And, and based on those six countercultural things, can you see how your body and caring for your body is more than just looking better? It's a spiritual discipline. And I could sit here and we could talk about nutrition and exercise and, and, and sleeping properly, but you guys know this stuff. It's not rocket science. You can see it all over the internet. You can read about it everywhere. But I want to give you four things today as we head out that you probably won't find in a nutrition book. And the four things are if you live a life of tranquility, integrity, humility, and generosity, you're probably going to be in better health. You're probably going to be better health. So, so I could give you a hundred of them from this book today, but let me just give you four of them. First one's this. Trusting God is good for my health. Trusting God is good for your health. Trusting God is good for your health. Why? How can trusting God be good for your health? Because when you worship, you don't worry. When you lean on God, when you put your full dependence on God, you don't worry. Because God, God doesn't move. He's unchanging. Everything around us is moving. It's always up and down, all over the place. But God is dependable. So when you lean on him, when you worship him, when you trust him, when you pray to him, there's no time to panic. And when you worship him, there's no time for worrying. So that's the first one. Trusting God is good for my health. I love what the songwriter writes in Psalm 116. He says this, I said to myself, relax, because the Lord takes care of you. I love that translation. Relax, because the Lord takes care of you. Or, or Solomon writes in Proverbs, pretty smart guy, he writes this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And for those of us, we have brought into 2018 some of our bitterness and resentment, and we so badly want to get rid of that. We so badly want to see that released. And the thing about bitterness and resentment is it begins to rot you. It's like a fire, and it'll burn you up on the inside. And, to, and it's not about just what you eat. It's about what's eating you. Second one. Second one, you're probably not going to find this in a nutrition magazine, but a psychologist would probably affirm it. Confessing my sins is good for my health. Confessing my sins is good for my health. A psychologist would say you, you shouldn't repress things. You, sh you shouldn't suppress things. You need to express them. You need to suppress them. Sorry, you need to confess them. So when I swallow my anger, my stomach keeps score. Anybody know that reality? When I swallow my anger, my stomach keeps score. And if I don't take it to God, I take it out on my body. David, that songwriter, he writes in Psalm 32, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable and I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So my prayer for you today especially is don't carry the garbage from 2017 into 2018. The resentment, the anger, the worry, the legalism, the jealousy, the envy, all those emotions. 
Just release them. Let them go. Confess them. Two more things that I know will make you healthier because it's made me healthier. Giving generously is good for my health. Giving generously is good for my health. Now you're like, well, yeah, that's why a pastor would definitely say that, wouldn't they? But God says, and we talked earlier about this, God says, I want you to be like me. I want you to be like me. And God's a giving God. He's a generous God. Everything we have is from him. And we forget that sometimes. That, that breath you just took, that was his. That beat of your heart, that's his. This body, it's his. He just loaned it to you. Some of you are thinking, well, why did he give me the Kmart loaner? Why couldn't I have gotten the Porsche loaner? But he loaned it to you. And he and it has a purpose for it. And God says, like father, like son, I want my kids to be like me. And I want you to learn to be generous. Because every time you give generously, every time you give generously, you're defeating hoarding, you're defeating keeping, and you're healthier. You're healthier. Uh, Solomon writes in Proverbs, a generous person, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And last one here, and I wish I had more time to go on this one. You're going to think this one sounds trite, but there's one I have to keep reminding myself about, and I think a lot of us keep, need to remind ourselves of it's this. Having fun is good for my health. Having fun is good for my health. I don't know about you, but I take myself a little bit too seriously sometimes. And the best comic material I will ever have is the stuff I know about myself. I will, I, if, I learn, if you learn to laugh at yourself, you will never run out of material. Guaranteed, guaranteed. I want to invite the band up at this time. There's a story in John 5, and it tells of Jesus God's son, and, and he's walking down the street, and he sees a crippled man. He's a man who's been a paraplegic for 38 years. 38 years. And Jesus comes to him and asks him the most profound question, even though it might seem like a very simple question. And I have the same question for all of you here today. And he asks the man this very, very simple question Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? And so it's 2018, it's a new year. Do you really want to get well? And maybe it's you want to get healthier. Maybe you want to get more physically fit. Maybe you just want to rest better and sleep better. The question really is, is do you really genuinely want to get well? It seems like such a strange question for Jesus to ask a man who's been crippled for 38 years. But did he want to change? Did he really want to get well? And so my question for you is, where do you want to be a year from now health-wise? Do you want a brighter smile, stronger body, a sharper mind than you've ever had? Do you want to get well? And as I pray right now, we're going to respond with singing just after that. But I'm just going to pray. You can have your eyes open. You can close your eyes. You can bow your heads. Whatever you feel comfortable with. But let me just pray this prayer on behalf of all of us to God. Father, thank you. Thank you for creating our bodies. You sent Jesus to die for our bodies, and for that we are so thankful. Thank you that your spirit lives in our bodies. 
Help us to never forget that our bodies are not ours, but they're on loan, and to treat them like the temple. Far greater, far more priceless than any racing horse. Help us to remember that our bodies are connected to your body, Jesus. And that one day, one day, especially because some of our bodies are running out of fuel, that we will be resurrected with bodies that are version 2.0. Forgive us, God, for all the times we misused our bodies and abused our health. We want to commit today to join in a journey of health. Help us to follow God's plan, God's health plan for your glory. We pray all these things in 2018 in your son's name. Amen.
concludes our service this morning. I think another saying that I'm going to be thinking differently